Hello, and welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is led by Pastor Daniel White. Uh, Today we're going to be joining Pastor White as he continues his series on the family. So let's get out our Bibles and get ready to join Pastor White as he teaches us about God's plan for home and the family. Let's take our Bible tonight and let's turn to the book of Proverbs in chapter 31. Of course, we know this be about the virtuous woman. Tonight we're going to speak on motherhood. Hard to believe that we now live in a generation where you have to define what motherhood is. What a shame. Talking with Pastor Rich today of how quickly things have changed in these latter days. It's, it's breathtaking. And we just need, we need to get back to the Bible. We need to come to God. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Verse 37. She looketh well to the ways of her household. She's a good mother. And eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children, because she's such a good mother, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but the woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Last week we talked about fatherhood and the responsibility that we as men have to our families. And so now tonight we want to talk about motherhood. And so let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to look at God's design. God's design for motherhood. The Bible says, beginning with verse 26, it says, For God created man in his own image. Now when we we're teaching through the doctrine of God, we looked at what that means. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female. Amen. Amen. It's very sad. Someone called me early this morning to talk with me about a dear Christian family, loved the Lord, faithful members of a independent fundamental Baptist church, just a husband and wife who just love God, homeschooled their children, and one of their children is now in the process of going through a transition uh, from a, a woman to a man. And how heartbreaking this is for this family. And ask me to pray for this family, how difficult it is for them to accept what's happening. What a perverted culture in which we live to where the world's perversion is affecting our, even our Christian families. He made them male and female. 
And God blessed them, and God said, let them be what? Fruitful. Let them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. He said, be fruitful, means to make increase. He said that they are to multiply. It means to increase with exceeding abundance, fruitfulness, multiplication, replenish, fill up the world to overflowing. Now, does this give you an idea that God loves children? I'll never forget when I was sitting and listening to a seminar one time by Jim Sammons, and at that time we had three, uh, three boys, uh, Justin, Isaac, and Benjamin. They were all demon-possessed at that time. And uh, we were like, we, we, there's no way that we could handle any more children. And uh, the Lord broke my heart because at the end of the message, he asked a question, do you love children the way God loves children? And there's, there's no, haven't been many times in a church service where I've broken down and, and, and weeped. And I weeped loudly. Because I was at the place where I did not love children the way that God loved children. And God changed our life that day from that message. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Here's a story. There's many stories we could refer to in the Bible about God's love for children and how we need to have a love for children as well. And this is Rebecca. Remember when Abraham was looking for a wife for Isaac, his son, and he sends his servant out to find a wife for Isaac. The Lord had impressed upon this servant's heart that he would stop at this particular well. And at this particular well, he would find Isaac's wife. And the way he would find her is that this woman would come to the well and she would draw water and then she would ask Abraham's servant, would, would, you, would you like a drink of water? And uh, the lady would uh, offer him uh, the water and she would draw the water and she would give it to the servants. And then she would say, let me also water your camels. And so that is exactly what happened. Rebecca came, she drew water, she gave it to Abraham's servant. She then said, sir, may I water your cattle, or your, your, um, your camels? And she waters the camels. And what that man was looking for was not beauty, but what he was looking for was character. And that was a test of character. And so he knew that that was the girl that Isaac was to marry. Um, now, we don't quite go about things that way. Uh, maybe the divorce rate would be a whole lot less if we did. But the servant goes and he meets with Rebecca's father and with her brothers and her family. And um, Rebecca goes with him. Now that took some faith, right? Matter of fact, when they drew close to where Isaac was, she saw a man coming towards her. She had never met Isaac before. And she saw this man coming towards her, and she said, is that 
my future husband, is that Isaac? And they said, yes, that's Isaac. And the Bible said she jumped uh, off of uh, whatever she was riding. I can't remember what she was riding, but she jumped and she ran to Isaac. She was so excited. Okay. But notice what it says here. This verse just kind of really stood out to me. It says, And they sent away Rebekah their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister. And notice how I underlined this. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions. How would you like to have that many kids? Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gates of those which hate them. Hmm. It's interesting that uh, the birth rate in America right now is about 1.8 children. The birth rate in the Muslim world is 8.2 children. Now just... Just stop and think about that for a minute. God loves children. And his desire is that couples would be fruitful and that they would multiply and embrace motherhood. Though children are a what? Heritage. heritage. They're a blessing. Though children are a heritage of the Lord, the fruit of the womb. We'll come back to that. The fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of thy youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Now let's go back and look what it says right here at the end. And let thy seed possess the gates of those which, what? Hate them. Let me ask you a question. How many here are hunters? You like to hunt? Well, not very many of you. Okay. Craig, when you go bow hunting, how many arrows do you take with you? Do you take just one or two? Four. Usually take four. That's how many you can get in your quiver, right? And you usually have one already on the bow? Well, I just pull one off and Okay, so you take as many as that quiver will hold. Okay, I do the same thing. Have you ever shot that many arrows at a deer? You never have, okay? But you have them, right? So, yeah, me too. Now, if you were a warrior, and this passage of Scripture is talking about a warrior's quiver. If you were a warrior, how many arrows would you want to have if you were going out to battle? (laughs) This guy here, I kind of put that picture up of him. He's, He's carrying two quivers. We'd want to take as many arrows as we could. What's this whole arrow thing? Well, crooked arrows will not hit the mark. That's why before I go hunting, I make sure my arrows are nice and straight. Okay? And so the responsibility of the father, and we'll throw the mother in here too, is to take those arrows and to get them nice and straight for the time that they are with you so that you can send forth those arrows when the time is right. Um, You know, I think Isaac was, when he got, wasn't he like close to 80 years old when he finally, wasn't that right? 
Someone could probably Google that up. When, when he married, I thought that would be a good age. Was he, I don't think he was 40. I, a little, I think he was in his 80s. We'll, we'll check on that. But anyway, 40 or 80, I kind of like that <laughs> idea. But the father is to take those children and do his best to straighten them so that they will be able to hit the target, to hit the mark for the Lord. Now, some children will not allow themselves to be straightened. They're just crooked and they're set in their crookedness and they will not allow mom and dad or the preacher or anyone to speak into their life to try to get them straight. But I want you young people to know here tonight, you have parents that love you here at Fellowship Baptist Church and I'm telling you, they're doing their dead level best to get you good and straight. So you can be sent forth and you can hit the mark for the Lord. Was it 40? Okay. See this table here. There's nine children here around the table. Reminded me of our table as our children were growing up. The Bible said, Thy wife shall be as a, what kind of vine? A fruitful vine beside the side of thine house and thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. So she shall be fruitful uh, like an olive plant or like a fruitful vine. Um, so I think what you can see there is the emphasis that God places on motherhood and the blessing that God says children are. One of the, one of the reasons that the left are twisted, perverted, crazy, lost their mind, left, wants open borders is because this, this is their argument, we're not reproducing ourselves and so if we don't allow all these immigrants, these illegal immigrants to come into our country, we're not going to have enough people to support the older people. And so we just need to open our borders and let them come in. How about getting back to a biblical view of life? Right? And having children. Years ago, years ago, 30-some years ago, I came across this. And uh, this is a family who has six children, and then their six children have six children. And their six children, the Bible talks about uh, to the third and fourth generation. And it is possible, good health, you could see a, a third generation here. But you look at that, and you look at the number of people that are there, and I figured this out, that's 1,296 people. Be thou a mother of what? Millions. The descendants that would come from that relationship. Arrows in a warrior's quiver to stand up against the enemy. But so just think about what would happen if the world is having 1.8 children and Christians decide, you know what? Let's love children the way that the Lord loves children. And let's do our best to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Think about it. Being a wife and a mother, I believe, is the highest calling that God could ever place upon a woman's life. Being a wife and a mother is always exalted in Scripture. 
It's always lifted up in Scripture. Being a wife and a mother, the Bible calls it a great privilege. Amen? Being a wife and a mother is a great honor. Her children will rise up and honor her and call her blessed. So I want you mothers here tonight to realize the high calling that God has given you, that exalted position, the great privilege of bearing children and raising children for the Lord and the great honor that God gives to you and that we give to you as well here at Fellowship Baptist Church. So what do you do if you have a couple who cannot have children? My sister was one of those. Uh, the Lord never opened her womb. She could never have children. She ended up adopting. But what can a barren couple do? Uh, Pastor Richard, with him today, and we weren't even talking about this message that I'm preaching tonight, but he said we, were, we went 12 years before we had a child, and we thought we would never be able to have children. And then God opened my wife's womb, and it was one, two, three. Hillary? Hillary's one, two, three, four, five, six. How many years did you go before the Lord opened your womb? Nine years. So what can a barren couple do who so desperately want to have children? Well, first of all, fully express your desire to the Lord that you want to have kids. I mean, pour out your heart to the Lord. And the example of this that we have in Scripture is Hannah. Remember the bitterness of her soul because she could not have children. The Lord had closed up her womb and how she prayed unto the Lord and went into the temple and just cried unto him. They actually thought she, she was drunk. And the Lord hears her prayer. And the Lord opens her womb. Something that some of us miss here is that who was the child that God gave to Hannah? But the Lord gave her four more kids too. She gave Samuel back to the Lord to serve Eli in the temple, and God opened her womb and gave her four more children. So just cry out to the Lord. Cast your burden upon the Lord. Also recognize that it is the Lord that opens and closes the womb. I think this is a very important truth of Scripture. The Bible says the Lord shut up her womb, and then the Bible said the Lord remembered Rachel and hearkened unto her and opened her womb. So what do we find in Scripture? The Lord can what? Close the womb. And the Lord can what? The Lord can open the womb. So I ask you a question. Who wants to be in control of the womb? Think about it. Another very important principle that a barren couple can, can do is not just realize God opens, God closes. Maybe for some reason God has closed the womb. Maybe for a period of time he's closed it or maybe he's closed it permanently. But you need to surrender this to the Lord and really come to the place where you say, not my will, but what? Thine be done. Lord, if you want to close my womb, that's fine. If you want to open it, that's fine too. But Lord, it's your womb to do with what you want. I think there's a real freedom that comes when we surrender. This is what Pastor Kaufman preached on last night. 
was coming to a place of full surrender in our lives. Another thing I believe a barren couple could do is come to a place of contentment. What does the Bible say? I've learned in what? Say it with me. What? Whatsoever state. Would that include a barren womb? Come in whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. Now it's not easy when you want children so desperately. But this is what the Lord has asked us to do. Another thing that can be done is to call for the elders of the church. To come and anoint you uh, with oil. Years ago, there was a couple in our church uh, back in Napoleon by the name of the Aders. And the Lord had closed up her womb. And the doctor, she had gone to the doctors. The doctor said, you'll never bear children. And um, I taught this principle. And I'll never forget them coming to the office and anointing them with oil. And uh, a couple months later, getting a phone call that the Lord had opened her womb and she was pregnant. God can do that, right? God can do that. The Bible said he will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. Here's another verse. So Abraham prayed unto God and God healed Abimelech and his wife. Now let's finish it. And they bear what? Children. So before this, they were barren. They couldn't have kids. Abraham prayed. And it, it doesn't say that they bore a child. It says they what? Bore children. The Lord really opened the womb. Another thing that you could consider, and that is perhaps you have a barren womb because you've had a sterilization. And I'm not going to get into this in real detail, but it's very common today. After the birth of, our, after the birth of Benjamin, I'll never forget. We loved our doctor, but we were in the hospital. Uh, Benjamin's laying on my wife's breast, and the doctor looked at us, and this is what he said. He said, we can take care of this problem right now. Now, how did he know that Ben was going to be a problem? I don't know. <laughs> I want to tell you something. I don't get offended very easily. But I was offended. That is like the worst time that a doctor could say to a couple, we can take care of this problem right now. Children are not a problem. Children are a blessing. Now, they can be problems, but children are a blessing. See, this, this is why we need to think biblically. We need to think the way that God thinks about the family and about motherhood and about children because the world has corrupted our view. There are legitimate reasons. This is my personal opinion here. There are legitimate reasons why a sterilization, a tubligation, or a visectomy uh, may need to happen. And that would be, again, in my opinion, if the health and safety of the wife was, was really threatened. To me, that trumps the open womb. So we need to make sure that the health and safety of the wife is threatened. Uh, my wife always had good deliveries. Her hardest delivery was our last child. 
Uh, we actually, Levi was born in Craig Davison's house. We were out of our house at that time because of the gas spill. And we were in Craig. Levi was born in a bathtub in Craig's house. That may be why Levi is the way he is today. <laughs> Craig, it's your fault. But if the health and safety of my wife was threatened, it's the responsibility of a husband to protect his wife. Give me an amen there. Come on. All right. So that may be a legitimate reason. Now, here's some illegitimate reasons. And these are reasons that have been given to me over the years of why, you know, we don't want any more kids. One is we don't want them. And here's the reason that we don't want any more children. We don't want to bring children into this evil world. I heard a lady talking in the grocery store here just, just a few weeks ago, talking about she had two children and she wasn't ever going to have any more children because of how evil this world is. Wait, remember? They will confront the enemy. Let's take the children of Israel while they were in bondage in Egypt. Okay? Why did Pharaoh want the extermination of those baby boys? They were a threat to him. The Egyptians weren't having children. The Israelites were having children. Pharaoh said, they're going to outnumber us. We have to do something about this. Again, I want you to think about these things as we work through this lesson here tonight. Another reason that's given is we can't afford any more children. That may be true, because kids are expensive. But don't you think God would pay for what he orders? The more children we have, we will lower our standard of living. That is true. But our standard of living is so much higher than the standard of living of anyone else in the world. We're still blessed. Another one that I've heard is we will lose our freedom. True. But just wait. I'm just going to tell you, just wait. Children may rebel against us. That's true too. They may, but they may not. There may be medical complications. There may, but we can deal with those. And like I said, if they're life-threatening, then give the wife the protection that she needs. We have the right to decide how many children we will have. I've heard this one over and over again. I think that point can be argued, and I'm not here to argue this point. What I'm here to do tonight is simply present you with truth to really get you to think about this in a biblical way. My wife will lose her physical attractiveness. I don't believe that that's true. Years ago, I hunted a property down uh, by Addison. And this lady had 22 children. 
And she had a picture of her children. She was in the, her and her husband were in the middle. There was 22 children. She had 15 girls. Could you imagine having 15 girls? And her oldest girls were standing up there by her. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you are hard pressed to tell the difference between the mom and her, and her daughters. And she had had 22 children. That's not true. The world is overpopulated. I don't know how many of you have been in an airplane lately and looked out the window, but uh, the world is not overpopulated. When I was sitting listening to a message similar to what you're hearing preached by a man by the name of Jim Sammons, he shared this, this right here. A lot of people say, well, the world's overpopulated. We don't want to bring kids into the world. At that time, there were 6 billion people in the world. Right now, there's 7 billion people in the world. Now, this was several years ago. So we're up to 7 billion now. But uh, he gave this statistic. Fellas, I'm frozen here. Yeah. <laughs> we really need to pray about that. Because they've really tried to fix this, and they cannot fix this computer from freezing, okay? And it does not put me in a good mood when it freezes. But he made this statement. This is when there was six billion, so now it's going to be a little bit more crowded. Fellas, every person in the world could stand shoulder to shoulder in the city limits of Jacksonville, Florida. Now when people hear that, they go, no way! Yes way. You figure it out, six billion people could fit. The world is not overpopulated. When a, when a couple do exercise sterilization, there are some medical issues I think you need to be aware of. Again, I'm not criticizing you for doing it. This is between you and the Lord, you know. Not between you and anyone else, just husband and wife and the Lord. You've got to figure this out. But, but listen, I have to bring you the, what I believe is truth. But there are medical complications that will come when a visectomy happens. You can read these for yourself. Here are some of the medical issues that you'll have to deal with. Uh, if a wife has a tube ligation, these are, these are some of the medical issues that are a possibility. So I just want you to know that when you, got it, when you get a tube ligation and you get a visectomy, um, these are some of the things you may have to deal with, okay? That's, that's just all I'm saying. I'm just giving you the information you need to really think this thing through. I also want you to understand this, and I'm not getting into this tonight, but the birth control pill is abortive. One of the functions of the birth control pill, and people have disagreed with me, you can Google it up, you can search it out, I've done this years ago, but one of the things that it does is, is harden the lining of the uterus so that the fertilized embryo cannot implant itself and that fertilized embryo will literally starve to death in the womb of the mother and then be discharged. So, you know, we, 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 we have this cry against abortion, but it makes me wonder how many Christian women are using the birth control pill and are having abortions and they don't even realize it. 
when my wife and I had marital counseling, we were counseled by her pastor to use the birth control pill and to not have children right away. And my wife ended up getting pregnant anyway. We knew nothing about this. We just, our pastor told us, you know. And uh, my, my wife was pregnant. I remember going to think, she can't be pregnant. And we went in, she was pregnant. And, and this, is, this is what the doctor said to us. You need to stop taking that birth control pill immediately or you're going to do severe damage to the fetus. And we're like, what, <laughs> what are we doing? So we have lived through this. You know, this isn't something that we have not had to work our way through as a couple. Let's look at the ministry of the mother. What is her ministry? The Bible said, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received of the Lord. If the Lord has opened your womb and he's given you children, then he's given you a ministry in the lives of those children. The ministry, first of all, of bearing children. The Bible says she shall be saved in childbearing. Obviously, we're not talking about spiritual salvation there. We're talking about being saved from uh, being ineffective of not having something to do, of not having a purpose in life. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about being saved there. She has the ministry of training her children, of bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. She has the ministry of serving her children. By love, serve one another. Childbearing, child training, serving. And this is what a mother does. She just serves and serves and serves. And she does it out of love. Love your children, the Bible says. These These are the ministries that God has given, no one can replace you, mom. The babysitter can't replace you. There's the ministry of prayer that a mother needs to have. Everything by prayer and supplication, supplicating for your children. I'm so thankful that my wife is a woman of prayer and has prayed and prayed and prayed over our kids. There's the ministry of being an example They'll rise up and call you blessed if you're a godly example to them. This is what the Bible says, as a mother is, so is the daughter. They follow our example. Give them an example of the spirit-filled life. There's really three breakdowns here of a spirit-filled life given in Ephesians chapter 5. Joyfulness, gratefulness, and submission. That your children are seeing that in you. A joyful mom, a grateful mom, a a submissive mom. And that is just being drilled into them by your example that you are giving to them. Don't our children need this? Absolutely. There's the ministry of guarding the home. You're a keeper at home. You're guarding. You're the one that's there. You're guarding the home against the wrong influences that can come in. You're protecting it. You're defending it. You're a shield against the wrong influences that could come into the home. You're warding off the attack of the enemy. You're guiding the house. Guide the house. You you got a hold of that rudder. You're presiding over it. You're managing the home. She looketh well to the ways of her household. Wow, a tremendous responsibility that a mother has. She has the ministry of building and speaking into the lives of her children. Through wisdom is a house builded and by understanding it is established. 
that virtuous woman. She was a wise woman, Solomon said. Well, where do we get our wisdom from? We don't get it, we don't get it from the world. We get it from God's word. So she has to be a woman of the word. The Bible said every wise woman builds her house. But watch this. But the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. So my question is tonight, are you building your house? There's seven ways that a home can be destroyed. The Bible says uh, six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him. We'll go through these real quickly. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift, running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Let me tell you, that'll destroy any house, that will destroy any church, that will destroy any nation right there. That's why God hates it. All right? But let's, let's do an application of this to how we can destroy our homes. Instead of pride, we need what? Humility. humility. All right. Now this applies to all of us, but moms, you need to have humility because pride goeth before destruction. You want to destroy your home? Just be prideful. Lying versus what? Truth. So you always speak the truth in love. You're a truthful mom. Death versus what? Versus life. Hands that shed innocent blood, be fruitful. We have immorality. Do we have a lot of immoral women today? Immorality used to be a label for a man. It's, it's equal across the board now. Immorality versus holiness. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Mischief versus serving. Helping, being a blessing. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be a servant of all. Gossip. Well, we have homes and moms and grandmas that are just gossip. How destructive that is, the slander and backbiting and tattling and being a busybody versus edification. Let all things be done into edification. Let your speech always be with grace. Division, he is so discord among the brethren, but how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what? In unity. So listen, if you really want to have the impact on your family that you need to have, be humble, be truthful, be focused on life and holiness and serving and, and being a blessing by edifying and bringing unity. Seven ways to build your house. That's seven ways to destroy it. And then the Bible gives us seven pillars upon which we can build our house. Remember, she's a wise woman. Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her, how many pillars? Seven pillars. So we want to look at these seven pillars and again ask the question, are these the seven pillars of your home? And moms, are these, are these the seven pillars that you're building in your life and in the life of your children? These seven pillars are found in James chapter 3, verse 13 through verse 
18, where it talks about the wisdom of the world and the wisdom which is of God. The first pillar is the pillar of purity. Be pure. Moral purity is peace. The pillar of peace. The pillar of gentleness. Again, mothers, you are the Holy Spirit in the home. You, you're, the, you're the one that's building these pillars. The pillar of mercy. Being a merciful mom. The pillar of showing no partiality. And that's really difficult when you've got a very compliant child and then you have a child who is just rebellious. It's, it's difficult. But no partiality, no hypocrisy. Our children will see right through that. And then the last one that's given to us is righteousness, the pillar of righteousness. So this is the, this, this is the way we build a solid home. With purity, moral purity, with peace, not anger and argument and strife. We're gentle with each other. We're merciful towards each other. We don't show partiality. There's, there's no hypocrisy in our lives. And we are committed to righteousness. Now, don't you think that God's going to bless those seven pillars? And then we have these strong biblical warnings that are given to us and to children concerning how important it is for them to honor their mothers. If God exalts motherhood, if God honors motherhood, if God calls it a high calling, if we can, through where we've been tonight, see the impact and the influence a godly mother is on her children, listen to these warnings. The Bible said there is a generation, I believe we're in that generation, a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. You want to be blessed? Bless your mom. He that smiteth, don't ever hit your mother. He that smiteth his father or his mother, some of these young people better be glad they're not under the law, shall be what? Now, does God take that very seriously? You don't ever lift your hand to your mother. The Bible said, he that curseth, he that smiteth, he that curseth, sassy mouth, rebuking your parents, getting in your parents' face, he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Does anybody remember how they went about doing this under the law? That's right. They drew them to the gates of the city and everyone gathered and the elders of the city stoned them with stones. Whoso curses his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. God will knock your lights out. The eye that mocketh his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pluck it out and the young eagles shall eat it. 
some pretty severe warnings about the importance of honoring your mother. A foolish son or daughter will refuse to give their mother honor. Here are the ways, and we're going to end with this, here are the ways that the Bible tells us that we are to honor our mothers. Number one is by respecting her. Is she perfect? No, there's no perfect moms. But you respect your mom. And I want to say this to you, dads. If there's one thing that you should be consistent on and not tolerate in your home is disrespect to mom. Number two is you honor your mother by listening to her counsel. Listen to her instructions. Sit down on the edge of the bed with her and let her speak into your life. Number three, you honor your mother by obeying her. You honor your mother by obeying her. Number four, you honor your mother by expressing your love and appreciation for her. On Mother's Day, just a couple weeks away, right? On a Sunday night, we're going to have a time where we'll honor our mothers. And we want to do that in church. We want to do it publicly, but children, we need to do it all the time. Our moms do so much for us. And we just expect it, and we just overlook it, and we take it for granted. But we must not. The last uh, picture I want to show you tonight is motherhood, the toughest job you'll ever love. And I think every mom in here would say amen to that. It's tough. But it's the best job in the whole world. All right, listen. I've given you a lot to think about tonight. And what I've put before you tonight is not, it's not easy teaching. And this is all I'm going to say to you. Take what the preacher shared tonight and wrestle it out with the Lord. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.